0: Welcome back, everyone, to episode four of Enough is Enough, the Dee and Rona Show. I'm Dee. And I'm Rona. We are very excited today as we are welcoming our second guest onto the show. We are loving the feedback that you're all giving, so keep it all coming. Every month, we're going to share with you our
1: authentic real life stories to inspire and motivate you to make real change in your life, to become the best
0: version of yourself and manifest your true dream life. We have both turned our lives around. We may have had different journeys, but trust me, if we can do it, so can you. When is enough enough to make you make that change? Hi everybody and welcome back to Enough is Enough. Welcome, 2024. I cannot believe it's January 2024. Wow, and it is a very miserable, cold, wet day here in Dublin. We pre-recorded the next interview with Karen back in November, and I just thought today I would just do a little intro, just to kind of chat a little bit about Christmas and how did we all get on? Personally, I had a lovely Christmas. Just ate way, way too much and drank way, way too much. I think for me this year, Christmas started on the very first of December, and it just never stopped. Like the amount of events. was out at, but it was all great fun, and as a single person, um, I wanted to touch on this because a lot of Christmas can be a very emotive time, and when you're single, lots of emotions go through your head. Why am I on my own? And you look at people who are happy, and you well, you think they're happy, and you feel, Oh wow, this is going to be a little bit sad. But do you know what? I felt like that quite a lot of Christmases, but this year I didn't. This year I felt happy, content within myself and happy to be single and on my own because I'm never on my own. I've got so many friends, so many people that love me and I just embraced it and I said, you know what? I'm actually really lucky. I've got my health. I've got a great life. So... I just enjoyed the festivities enjoyed Christmas and I'm glad it's all over now back to normal back to the gym back to work back to real life again <laughs> and our interview with Karen is absolutely amazing I'm so glad she came down to share her story so I can't wait to share it with you today and also I just wanted to say that don't forget to follow us on Spotify and our social media platforms where we will be bringing you the latest up-to-date episodes we have lots of fantastic people coming on and I think it'll grow and grow this year so thank you all so much to date for following and listening thank you and i hope you enjoy the next episode so today we are delighted to welcome a very special person onto the show who is going to share her amazing life-changing journey with us all Karen McShane is from Northern Ireland. She started her career after finishing a degree in civil engineering at Queen's University in Belfast. Karen is now at the pinnacle of her career as president of the CIHT. She's a trustee of the Rainbow Project, a health organisation that works to improve the physical, mental and emotional health and well-being of LGBTQIA people and their families in Northern Ireland. She starred in the 2019 Channel 4 documentary, The Making of Me, where they followed her amazing transformational journey at the age of 45 to transition from male to female. Today, Karen is going to share her story when she decided enough was enough and made the decision to change her life once and for all. You are so
1: welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for travelling down from Belfast today to join us here. today. I have two Northies with me today. Uh, I
0: uh, thank you, Karen, for coming down. It's brilliant to have you here. We're so excited waiting for you to come today. And we both share a bit of a similar
2: journey as well, don't we? We, we do indeed. Um, first of all, it's as two Nordies we're taking over yeah. um, <laughs> but when we were talking earlier on I think we both lived through the troubles in Belfast we did, we did. Um, and one of my experiences were that we were the wrong religion living in the wrong area and the house across the road from us was burnt down yeah. um, and it was the 12th of July which is the traditional festival yeah, time yeah, in the north yeah, exactly. um, and my dad got a phone call to say you better get home so we saw that this house had been burnt down and there was bullets across the windowsill oh with our God. names written on it oh and no. I simply said you're next Oh, so 1976 yeah. we basically had to just pack everything in the tea chest yeah. and try and find somewhere else to live so a bit like you we lost yeah, our, our home
0: it is it's mad and it's like as people who've lived through the troubles isn't it really weird because you look back and you think did that actually happen because I was very young I was only three and we did lose our house We uh, thankfully my dad got a job in Scotland so we then just moved to Scotland and we. Start, my mum hated it right. you know, yeah. e-
2: even at that time it was um, Ian Paisley and Enoch Powell were the politicians mm. that we dealt with mm. and Ian Paisley offered us a house in Amtham so we could have ended up as neighbours because
0: yeah, oh yeah. everybody moved to Amtham from the Charles. Yeah. So. None of the neighbourhood would have got a word in there. I'm sure they <laughs> <wouldn't> have, <no. laughs> yeah. But yeah so listen Karen it's great thank you so much firstly for coming down and sharing your story it's an amazing story and we're really grateful aren't we Absolutely, Rona. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll,
2: I, I really want to thank you both for inviting me to tell my story I don't really get that opportunity yeah. Um as a trans person with people in the trans community don't really want to open up as being trans because mm-hmm. they really feel that they're quite intimidated. Um, and you're, you're lucky here in the south of Ireland where you've got really good legislation, you've got good leadership, um, as far as I can perceive anyway. Yeah. But up in the north oh, and sure NGB, the there's a real between. anti-trans campaign really taking place at the minute. Um, we're going through a real period where people are being victimised oh, and really? they're really struggling with um, their own identity. So, so they're really hiding. They're mm-hmm. not coming out, they're not talking about things. Even just before Christmas we talk about the, the Prime Minister Richie Sunak he mm. made a speech and one of the lines that he said was men are men and women are, are women oh, so yeah. as a trans person how do you think that yeah, made me and yeah. others feel exactly, we really yeah. felt um, really intimidated I did I did write to the Prime Minister Good um, on you because I, I do Typical Nordie, you,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know just get there I think the trouble keeps us resilient and fighting <laughs> a-
2: Absolutely but you know if you don't express your concerns nobody's yeah, going to course. know about them I'm still waiting for my letter back so oh, yeah. Yeah. maybe, Probably maybe sure after we'll be waiting.
1: but you know what it is it's taking the the, the initiative to, to actually stand yeah. up and say something
2: yeah absolutely yeah. and you know I'm really looking forward to giving you these are my own personal views mm. they don't represent any of the um, organisations that I'm involved but CIHT is actually a highways and transportation institution so it's okay. a professional institution and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm involved with I mean that's you, you have your own business now don't you? I, yeah. I do I, I run a consultancy practice in Belfast mm. actually I do a lot of work in, in Dublin here in Wicklow currently working on a scheme in the Rock of Cashel as well for a new visitor centre and loads of oh. nursing homes around Wicklow and Dublin as well. So I, I do get work all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's to pay my bills.
0: Of course, yeah. Well, we all need to work. It's great. Like it's just a different lifestyle, but it's brilliant. Different culture, as you said. There, uh, they're more open in the south of Ireland than they are in the north. And I think it's just the Presbyterian thing, isn't it? Um,
2: uh, it's. It, it's the Presbyterian beliefs. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pick on any one particular yeah, yeah, organisation. Yeah, yeah. um, but the older generation and certainly the older unionist tradition yeah. are a little bit more hesitant to accept mm. us for who we are mm. Um Mary Lou um, and the nationalists um, mm. are very much more em- embraced diversity right, and they're okay. very much more open to discussing and, and talking about things. So, so they have attended things like Trans Day of Remembrance oh, and Trans good. Day of Visibility each year. Yeah. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be invited by the Lord Mayor of Belfast a few times to Brilliant. speak at those events and yeah. really just, just to open up and talk about the issues.
0: I was just going to say there, like with Leo Varadga being the the Taoiseach here and him being gay, you know, I think that has made things a little bit more broader as well in Ireland, would you think?
2: Absolutely. The the obviously as the, a nation mm-hmm. Ireland was the first to have equal marriage um, mm-hmm. and I know people that flew back from America to vote in that referendum so that they could have their say yeah. the, you mentioned the Rainbow Project, that's our LGBT charity uh, in the north um, deals very much with health and advocacy mm-hmm. and counselling services but we've been lucky to have Leo come up a few times yes, and actually visit that, the yeah. centre
1: That's good, yeah And no, I... Good support from, from there as well Can I ask you a question, actually, because one thing that you just mentioned with the older generation, like we're all in our 50s here and I know it's something that our age group struggle with because we've been obviously grown up w- without trans being you know, seen and heard about. Now it's it's making such a, an open, it's being more open and everything like that. But one thing that I know a lot of people are struggling with is pronouns. Uh, so well, you tell us about that, because I'd love you to explain it because I, and I think, you know, OK, you explain it and tell us.
2: Well, it, it's a real evolving issue. Um, I struggle with it myself. For, for me, I identify as she, her. Um, that's what it says on all my legal documentation. It says Miss Karen, mm-hmm. um, my passport, my driving licence, and a very important document, my gender recognition certificate. Reading that, yeah. yeah. M- many people who have transitioned in, in the other direction refer to themselves as he or him. Just as... Uh, as many cisgendered people would refer to. I I use that term cisgender because that's what we refer to in the community to describe people who identify with their gender that they had at birth. And very much that that's just a terminology that we Mm. use. I don't want to go too graphical about things about gender. But if if you think back to even as far back as um, Egyptian times, there were children being born with both sets of genitalia. Yeah. Mm. Um, even in the 60s and 70s here, doctors were making decisions and going, oh, this this child's a boy or this mm. child's a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were carrying out what they called then corrective surgery. Um, today, that term is known as intersex. And just talking about the pronouns, a lot of the intersex people that I've met refer to themselves using the terminology of they and them. Mm-hmm. So for me, from a grammatical point of view, I, I struggle when I'm I'm writing to say yeah. well you know they them is that the right terminology but but they take the view they don't identify as he or her sure, yeah. a, and they use that terminology to try and differentiate from it I've even heard some Americans using the term Zen and Z which I I, I get really confused yeah, about that <laughs> is, but yeah. but you can see where where they're using that pronouns to try and identify differently from from what they're doing I remember one time that there was actually a a, a prefix called M. So rather than going Mister, and Mrs or and Mrs, and Mrs. Yeah. you could use AMX to to do that. And I know some organisations in London have been using that.
1: Yeah, yes. and like the <coughs> the thing is, like, um, would you take offence if somebody got the wrong? You know, do people in general t- take offence if somebody got it wrong? Because like again, just we're yeah. being old school. It is sometimes hard to. To get it right. That. You know, obviously if it's um, not very obvious.
2: My, one of my biggest supporters is my mother. Yeah. Um, who's still alive, she's in her eighties. Um, and she struggles. Yeah. And she goes, you know, Karen was here today. He was he made me a yeah. cup of tea and got yeah. me my dinner. But well, I, I can understand yeah.
0: that because she identifies as you from a child, you know, so yeah. I can I can get, get that wee bit more. It's the likes of me who maybe only meets likes of you, Karen, at the start. And sometimes you might if I hadn't been told, so I wouldn't know any difference. So I would just be calling you miss or whatever you know Excellent. but yeah, yeah so absolutely. you
2: know but you know you have to I have to give a bit of slack to people yeah. um and i'm quite relaxed um i i don't really feel annoyed or intimidated when mm-hmm. somebody does anything like that and you know when people are making an effort and trying to do things yeah. but one of the bits of advice that i would give people is if you don't know don't be afraid to ask ask yeah. So, yeah, exactly. so Rhonda what do you want to be referred to as today mm-hmm. and, and just ask the question yeah. and yeah. um you know people will be quite receptive to actually talk about it
1: It was a funny story actually because um I was talking to somebody before and they were saying like when you somebody's walking along with a baby in a pram and you they're wearing yellow you don't know if it's a boy or girl so you mm-hmm. look down and go oh they're gorgeous and you mm-hmm. actually say they there yeah what I thinking about it was because you're looking at somebody identifying them,
0: due to their clothes or whatever. It, yeah. You're obviously, you know... But a lot of times I don't know. And to be quite honest, like some people, their kids have got long hair and they're boys and I look and I'm thinking it's a girl. So, you know, like, it's, I just go, oh, lovely wee baby. And well, I'm not the most maternal anyway, so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you were talking there, Karen, about diversity and so forth. Like, I just... My dad... I don't know if you know my dad, Billy Robinson, he did a lot of work in conflict resolution in Northern Ireland and diversity and helping lots of people with without, you know discrimination. And he got a, a, an MB from the Queen cuz I know you. Got you were you were invited to the Queen's to the wasn't it wasn't at the garden party?
2: It, it was. Um one of the professional institutions that I worked for. Well, I say work, I volunteered. You don't get paid for those roles. I think I sat on the committee for 25 yeah. years and I'm convinced that they nominated me to go yeah. um to one of the garden parties. Oh, right, and right. um as somebody who has a slightly nationalist background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you weren't that
0: comfortable. <laughs> no, no,
2: it wasn't that it wasn't comfortable, yeah. but when you have a head of state, um, yeah. like Queen Elizabeth at the time, uh, and they're inviting you along for lunch you know I said you don't turn that down of course it was not, good yeah. enough for Martin, Martin went along. yes well yeah. I agree
0: when my dad got the invite my brother I'm not going to that and I said well I tell you what thanks my ex-husband <laughs> he can come with me so my ex-husband and I went with my mum and you know what like I have the MB in the house and it was the most amazing experience in Buckingham Palace and the Queen did give it to him so you know like I thought why would you not I said to my dad you're taking that I'm telling you now if you're not taking it I'm taking it for you <laughs>
2: well, I was really lucky because some of the people that I met um, uh, were people like the the head of state in Scotland um, who's now changed recently but I actually had a good chat about trans issues and I said look I know this is what you're doing in Scotland I'd really love an opportunity to talk to you about what's happening in in the north of Ireland Um, because literally in the north of Ireland the legislation is different Um, Mm. there was a thing called the Gender Recognition Act came in around about 2005 and it was adopted all throughout the UK and I know Ireland had similar legislation in, in the south here but then Fast forward three or four years, there was an an act came out called the Equality Act, which Mm -hmm. was introduced in 2010. Now, at that stage, the Stormont, was sitting setting. One of those were occasions oh, where when we occasion actually had a right. government.
0: Are they, are they on at the minute yeah. or where are they? It's,
2: it's a bit like a hooky cookie. Yeah. Um, we don't know where they are. They get paid. that's, the, laugh, that's <laughs>
0: the funny part, yeah.
2: But because because Stormont was in place, um, those that were against um, trans issues and, and in particular the LGBT community in 2010, they mm. didn't adopt the mm. Equality Act. So unlike the other parts of these islands, it, we're the only place uh, in all of these islands where we're still operating under that older legislation. What that means for a trans person, um, is that you actually transition under full medical supervision. So okay. in, in the in south of Ireland, um, you can self-declare as trans. In, in England and Scotland and uh. Wales, you can self-declare. You can go and see your GP. You can do different things. Here, it's all under medical supervision. And ironically, it's with um, the mental health. Section. Right. So that really associates trans issues with, with yeah. mental health, which, which is not really what it is. No, because no, no, no. like,
1: if we go back, it was when you were nine, you were kind of you're put into boys' school, and that's when you, you kind of felt uncomfortable and not happy about where you were. But like, at what stage did you realise that you were actually in the wrong body and or what like, not going to really recognise what was happening to you?
2: It, it really goes back a lot further than that. Um, everybody has their early childhood memories yeah. one of my earliest childhood memories I, I was about three or four and it was first day I, I, th- I think it was school um, and I think my sister was going into nursery school along with my younger cousin they were about your age and yeah. <laughs> But you know, your first day at school, yeah. what do you do? They're there trying to make you have fun. Yeah. So there was this big water bath with a big glass box and we were dipping inks into it and you were putting little bits of paper into it and folding them in half. And I was making these butterflies um, from all these pictures um, and I just thought, this is this is brilliant. And then in the afternoon the teachers came and went, Right, I right, do you, you go and play football with the boys and I'm sitting going why am I boys. being told to call, uh, I I'm I uh, wanna stay here, mm. I wanna do this, I wanna do things with with, with, with with the girls. And and for me, um I didn't know what it was, but I knew at that stage that I, I didn't want to be out there playing football with the boys. Um at nine mm-hmm. years of age that's that's sort of the age that I had when we, we talked about earlier the Troubles mm. yes. that that's the age when we moved out of Belfast um, wrong family in the wrong place mm-hmm. we actually ended up in Downpatrick um, which is a a county town it's still a very small town um, and I started school there um, it, we, we have primary school up until 11 years of age at the age of 11 we do a qualifying test in those days it was called the 11 plus, plus. I did um, <laughs> yeah you remember that <laughs> I do remember yeah and and um, we, we did that, I can't remember, it was around about October, November time of the year. And I remember being, um, sitting down, doing that test. And after that test, you know, you didn't have to do anything academically because you, you'd done your papers. And we used to do lots of crafty things and, and you know, yeah. sitting play around and do bits and pieces. The the boys, again, played lots of football. I managed to persuade our teacher. It was a lady called Mrs Hughes. I remember, see yourself here vividly (laughs) today. It's how you remember
0: teachers' names, isn't
2: it? Yeah, but you remember the teachers who actually helped you. Who were nice. Mm -hmm. Who were were nice as well, yeah. But she taught me how to sew. Mm. Um, and I was sitting making aprons, and, and my mum was sort of looking at me, going, Again, You this know, is what, weird. <laughs> what are you doing, you know, making aprons in school? But for me, I really felt uncomfortable with doing things with, with the boys. And I, I just knew that I should have been doing something different. Mm. Um, the result of the, that 11 plus was there was two of us in that class past our 11 plus or got the top marks or whatever way it was. Um, It was one of those years where they give you like P's and Q's or R's or something rather than A's and B's. But I got a place in a grammar school. My parents were delighted, you know, you're going to grammar school. And for me, I didn't realise, but I went along and it was an all boys school. And all of a sudden, I really felt intimidated. Mm. And there was things like um, physical education, PE. Um, It was a a Gaelic school, so they were playing Hurley, they were playing Gaelic, um, they were running around and I made every Didn't, excuse not to get my it. mum to write a letter to say I'm not fit for PE Yeah and I went to the library <laughs> I used to get and I've those I letters hid. too, to- are <laughs> you Yeah. But but I I managed to after a couple of years the the teacher said, You have to do something, otherwise I'm gonna, you know, give you black marks and spell yeah. you or whatever and I, I talked them him let me do cross country running which was great because I always won the 800 metres in yeah. the school sports day but I just ran around on my own and really over that course of school I basically became a loner and I just really focused very much on what I wanted to do for myself but I in in that school uh, whenever we got to there was a term called lower 6 and upper 6 which was your 6th and 7th year we were in 17, 18 some of the local girls schools didn't do maths further maths physics as an A level so they came into the boys school to do their A levels so there was three girls came into that school Mm -hmm. when I was 17 and I immediately bonded with them um, and they became my friends Uh, and for me that was the first real friends that I had in that school even to this day the people that I was at that School with none of them keep in contact with me. There was one guy who occasionally would drop me a little note, um, but I haven't seen him for years. Yeah, um but I bonded with the girls and immediately I felt part at of home. that team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In
0: 2012, at the age of 45, while hitting your all-time low with thoughts of ending your own life. What pulled you through and gave you the courage to actually start your transformational journey?
2: Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to step back to school again mm. because I didn't know what I wanted to do f- with my life. and mm. Some people say I still don't know what I want mm. to do. And whenever I was in school... You got one of these careers forms that you filled in. You used to have these little circles and you filled them in with a pencil. And we're talking about artificial intelligence in the <laughs> media these days. You put it through mm. and it did a printout and said these are the jobs you do. I remember well that it's at,
0: uh, in school when they used to say this is what you should be doing when you leave school. Do you remember that was yeah. a careers class or yeah. something like that? Yeah, because yeah, it's, uh, like how can they just say what you're going to do at that age? Like, I mean, I get like any? Yeah,
2: well, I'd love to know what <laughs> you know to, to say you were going to be a big podcast. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> no, I, not, just,
0: <laughs> I was going to be <laughs> living <laughs> in Dublin, living the best life. <laughs> She,
1: do you remember that? I was actually, my career guidance teacher, I'll never forget, turned around to me and said, so what does your brother do? And I said, he's an accountant. He said, oh, I think you should do accountancy. And I ended up doing, you hated it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I,
2: I, you know, you mentioned accountancy. I, I did a work experience when I yeah. was at school with an accountancy practice. And um, it was a four-story building. And they put me up into the attic. And they gave me these ledgers and said, so add up those columns and numbers and check the totals. And I did this for two days and after two days I looked around at the other 18 people sitting on this floor and I said Denise what are, what are you doing and you said I'm I'm adding up same as you and I said how long have you been here and I said five years oh and I looked God. around and I said I'm not going to be no, an accountant but, no. c- but coming back to that career there was three choices on it one was a social worker and I said I, yeah. I can't really talk to people I'm i a bit of a loner that's not really for me well, you wouldn't
0: think that now have you
2: yeah. <laughs> Well, when you live your true self you become more relaxed was a prison warden oh, and I God. said oh definitely couldn't do that and the other was a civil engineer so I applied to university for civil engineering not knowing what civil engineering was there was I don't know we used to have golden pages used to have yellow pages yes
0: I remember. When you in
2: the 1980s when you looked up civil engineering it used to say sea boring <laughs> um, because you had these contractors that used to drill wells yeah. and, and that's what it literally said um, so I was going what is a civil engineer but mm. I, I didn't really know what it was and one of my friends that I was in school with said um, you know it's those boys out there cutting the grass and looking after everything they have a really easy time Mm -hmm. so I applied saying look I'll get a qualification I'll get a degree and then I'll decide what I want to do but I did a couple of stems of Work experience over the summers. I worked for one of the local government agencies, the equivalent of the the roads authority here, mm. for one summer, and I worked for a contractor building the foundations for a development called Castle Court in Belfast. Oh yeah, you which was, Castle Court. Yeah, yeah. It, it was supposed to be a catalyst for regeneration. Uh-huh. Um, it hasn't really now, though.
0: Shirt has kind of died with, with the new
2: one. It has. Victoria Victoria's Square's square pulled in. everything away. Well, Amazon and other online retailers exactly, have really yeah, killed that. Like but it around. was, you know, you, the Brian Thomas of this world. It really mm, was, it was at they the blues. time, and the last option was the civil engineer and um, over that summer the the last summer I got a job at the consultancy and they got me above all things to design this tanker wash for for margarine tankers in the in the docks mm-hmm. so I did that did a lot of surveying and, and they got to know me over the three or four months over the summer and then whenever I was doing my exams I got a phone call from them to say when do your exams finish and I said Friday and they said, this is a Friday morning or Friday afternoon. I couldn't work <laughs> out where this was going. I said, five o'clock on Friday, I've got a geology exam. Um, they said, well, can you come in to us at nine o'clock on Monday morning? I oh. went, yep, I'll do that. So I came in at nine o'clock Monday morning and they basically offered me a part-time Brilliant. job. Brilliant. Um, for which I stayed for 23 years. Wow! <laughs> um, so, so for me, you know, talking about 45, what I actually did was I got that job. They were short-staffed, I had loads of work. And I started working. I basically used to get up at five o'clock in the morning. I went into work and I worked until about nine o'clock at night. And even in the latter years, I, I was a director in the practice um, and the security guard who used to lock up. I used to leave him home and then come back and do a bit more work. And for me, all I focused on was my work. And that's how I um, coped. So whenever I got to, to 45, um, my father had passed away at one stage um we were in a bit of a recession and the company wanted me to pay off some of the staff. And I said, look, i got loads of work. We're making profit. If you pay off those staff, I, I won't be able to do the job. So I said one day, look, well, if you really want to cut the costs, there's my resignation. I'll offer wow. my resignation. You keep those other guys employed. I, I'm going. There's another team, another director mm. who hasn't got a full team. He can take them over. Uh, it'll make a one big viable team for him. And I'll go and do my own thing. And um, and I was shocked when they said, "Yeah, yeah we will accept your resignation." Oh my god! And, um, and
0: what did you think at you that at that age, thinking what I'm going to do now?
2: Well, it, it's I wasn't too worried. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I started doing some survey work and said, "I'll just do work for myself." I knew enough people, and, and ironically, the week after, when word got out, at five different firms offered me director posts, and I. I turned them all down. I used the phrase frying pan and fire. Oh, yeah. I don't particularly want to go and work for anybody. Yeah. But for me, that focused my mind because all of a sudden I was in a position where I didn't have this long working day that sort of looked after the, the demons that were in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really had to start thinking about what was happening. And for me, I'd grown up, in a, a situation where I didn't identify as gay. Yeah. Um, I'd grown up in a situation where it was illegal to be in a same-sex relationship in in the north of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, for me, I, I was thinking about what was going on. And I, I really got to a very low point. Um. And at that stage, I, I did contemplate ending things. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I just can't do this anymore. What,
0: can I ask, so I understand, what was the thoughts, you know, because I'm trying to think, you know, I know I was depressed one time, but it's a different kind of depression. But like, what was it that you were struggling with in your mind? Did you just were in the wrong body and you wanted to, you felt you should be a female?
2: I I, I just, yeah, that, that's basically, basically the summary. It, yeah, um, okay. The way I think about it is I had a female brain. So oh. my brain was constantly trying to say and do female things. um, And, and I got to the stage where I was really, really depressed podcast. Uh, and it wasn't because I'd left my job because it was basically I had other things to keep me occupied in, in work-wise and during some money. But I went to see my doctor and I remember the day that I went to see my doctor. Um, You know, usual stuff. He's looking down, he's writing notes mm-hmm. um, and he said, well, what can I do for you today? Well, the first time that I went, I actually said, I've got a little lump in my breast. the chickened out. I said, I've got a little lump in my breast. And mm-hmm. he, he went, oh yeah, I see that. He said, come in next Thursday and we will take that out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, So I came in next Thursday, got the scalpel out, cut it out. He went sent it for tests. It was fine. Um, But then I sat down with him and he was writing his notes again and I said, well, actually, Dr... I, I didn't really come to see you last week about that. And he said, well, I couldn't really talk to you last week because I didn't have your notes. And I said, well, that file on the table is my notes. And he said, but there's, there's all the Senate is your health service number um, and the consultation that I had last week about this little lump. He says, there's nothing else there. And I said, yeah, that's my notes. I've never been to the doctor. Oh, I God said, God. in all these years, I've never come to talk to anybody. And I said, but now I am at a stage where I need to talk to you.
0: So you haven't had any, you hadn't any therapy or anything like nothing that? Nothing at that just, stage. Just do GP yeah. business
2: yeah. yeah. And I said, look, I have a real issue. I want you to refer me to the gender identity clinic at that stage. He put his pencil down. He looked me straight in the eye and he says, tell me more. And I said, look, Uh. I've got these thoughts in my head (laughs) Mm. that I've got a female brain. My body doesn't match what I'm feeling. I've been able to cope up until now by keeping my mind occupied. But I'm now at the stage where I can't Mm. do this anymore. Enough is enough. Um, Mm. Enough is enough. And I I basically said, I need help or I'm going to do something stupid. Mm. And he said, give me your phone number. And um, he rang me that night and he said, where is the gender clinic? And I said, it's such <gasps> yeah. and such a place. He says, I'll find it. He says, I'm writing you an urgent letter. Um, I'll phone you tomorrow morning. And he rang me the next morning. Well, that's good to be her. fair. Yeah. At
0: least that was good straight away. Yeah. yeah,
2: Really good. He says, I've got you an emergency appointment. You're going up to see a counsellor to talk about this. And that started my journey. I spent wow. the next five years in, in counselling to try and determine oh, um, that you were doing the right thing. Uh, that and I was stuff, doing the yeah. right thing.
0: And can I ask as well, i just question myself. You never wanted to, in all those years, dress as a woman?
2: Um, at at that stage, I had a desire to. Right. Okay. Because so you would have looked
0: at women and said, "I would love to wear that dress yeah. or that shoes or whatever." Well, yeah, so I would have
2: looked at you know Denise going, "Oh, that's a lovely, lovely top, top you've got on yeah, today, yeah, lovely yeah. shoes. I'd love. We to have. Wish I had those. Yeah. And I I had very feminine traits. Actually, the doctor did some tests. Um, and one of the things that he sent me for was blood tests because he said you've never had any blood tests. Um, and he really? rang me up with the results and he said your results are quite interesting. He said your testosterone level is very low for ah, a meal, right. and your estrogen levels very high and he said all i'm going to re- actually do is going to refer you to the endocrinologist in the hospital and i went to see him the endocrinologist looked at it and he basically gave me a hrt patch and he said that that's literally the medication that i'm on and all that hrt patch did was lifted very slightly the um Estrogen levels. Yeah. Um. And what you see now, sitting in the studio, yeah. you can just, see what I look like. All of this is natural. All of this is just from. seriously, that HRT patch. seriously just yeah. from. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's. I wow. No,
0: not, not <laughs> it's But you like know, it's, it's amazing. Isn't it? Like I wanted to say to you as well, if you don't mind. Did you ever watch the movie The Danish Girl? Yes. Yeah. I I was sent her own earlier about it, and I had to mention it just because I'll tell you why. Um. I love that movie and I was crying at the end because I mean apart from the fact that I love Eddie Redmayne as well I wanted to watch it but you know what stood up with me with that I mean he obviously was dressed as a woman and he was the was the first uh, operation of a, a transsexual um and anyway so his wife at the time was so supportive and so loving right to the very end even though she'd lost her husband she supported him right to the end and I thought that was real true it's love. True love, exactly. It's a yeah. great movie to understand for someone to try and understand how you were feeling is what yeah. I was thinking.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, You know, it tells a story. Yeah. Um, For me, it was um, about easing my mind. And actually, when you got that hormone balance changed, I'm going to use the, the, the phrase, it's a bit like going through menopause. Yeah. Um, we all know people who have had real struggles going through menopause. And that little change in the hormone level brings mm. them back to calm. Yeah. yeah. That's how I felt. That little change in my hormone levels oh, calmed really? my mind. Isn't that yeah. um, and But
1: it didn't change how you were feeling. You, you yes. I can I ask you did you ever have any relationships um in before then?
2: Um I I did. I had some relationships. Um I only really had one real relationship in my life which didn't really work out I was very young at the time and for me it was a real difficult time Um, I did my best when when we're all young you date and you're trying to find who you are and find yourself Um, but for me that was that was a, a, a difficult time to use that relationship, um, I was in that relationship for uh, quite a lengthy time. Um, and I confided in that person as to who I really was. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a bit like Eddie Redman, Redman mm-hmm. they said, we'll support you. Yeah. But that didn't last very long. Um, and then they, I'm going to use the expression, they outed me. Oh, no. Right, um, okay, okay, I yeah. said, I have these feelings you mentioned about dressing up. So I yeah. dressed up, they took pictures of me, yeah. and then they sent them to all the people <gasps> that I worked with. So no, it, was, it was quite yeah. a difficult time for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when, when you talk about relationships, um, when you're talking about gender identity, it's not about sexual relationships. Um, most transgender people and myself are trying to put right what they describe as an inconsistency in their body. And uh, as I said earlier, I really describe myself as having a female brain, but, but my body didn't really match what I was mm. going on. What, what we're really doing is we're really going on a journey, trying to find ourselves. And as part of that journey, because of the process that, that that exists in my part of the world, I have to go through some independent um, psychological assessments. So for a number of years, I have to literally be tested to see if I'm of sound mind. Yeah, um, right and that's, that's really interesting because one of the things that I do is my job. I do professional witness in the courts. And before I transitioned, I did an awful lot of work. And then when I transitioned, I didn't get much work. And then after a few years of working with people, they said, oh, we need you back because I know you understand the issues. And I remember the very first time that I went in to give evidence in the court, got up, said my piece. Um, It's actually for a client that Denise knows. (laughs) Um, And the barrister on the other side who was getting up to cross-examine, he made his opening remarks and he just looked at the judge and he said, how can we trust the evidence of this witness? They're obviously not of sound mind. <gasps>
0: oh my, and just typical, typical. It's oh not my God. Typical, typical. That's judgmental people. But just
2: as you two. Uh, Everybody in the courtroom gassed. did that, and the judge looked at me and beckoned me just to make a response. And I said, "Well, That's Your Honour, um, as part of my transition and my journey, I've had three independent psychological assessments, all of which have found me to be of sound mind. Would you mind asking your learned friend <laughs> yeah. when was the last time he was <laughs> tested <laughs> oh, <laughs> on you?" <I> love it, <laughs> it, yes. And do you know yeah, what? As well, out.
0: like this, it just really annoys me, doesn't it? Like the, this small-mindedness of people not yeah. accepting someone to be who they want to be, and it's just in every level of life. I mean, It is
2: and look coming back to your original question all we really want is to be our true selves yeah. mm-hmm, to live our exactly. lives yeah. um, and I know so many trans people who aren't in relationships yeah. but yeah. they're comfortable with they're who happy. they are, they are. Yeah. and yeah. they're happy because they've made that change that really made them difficult. Um, I love to travel yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have any pets for that reason so you know for me I have a number of good friends that I have met through the LGBT community who have been supportive of the person that I am and mm. for me I love travelling I love getting away I, I love just doing different Enjoy things life, Enjoying, and enjoying, your, enjoying life and being who you are So for me if there's a relationship that does happen in the future if the right person comes along yeah. and they treat me for who I am
0: yeah, then exactly. happy days one question I want to ask and it might be a difficult question but choose if you want to answer or not but if you don't mind have you had a full sex gender change how did it feel waking up with a new body
2: oh that's a good question (laughs) um You know, to answer that, would you ask someone who came into their studio if they've had their personal parts tattooed Mm. um, or pierced? You know, that's how personal that is. is, Most people in the trans community would run a mile to answer Mm. that question Mm. because that's something that's very personal to them. Um, In answer to your question, how did you feel?
0: Sore. (laughs) (laughs) I bet for a long time. And
2: and, and the short answer is yes. And to think about that, it's a really major piece of surgery. Um, And and I had to wait years before I could be considered for that. Um, I had to go through those psychological assessments to make sure that I was in the right mindset. Um, But for me... It used to be we referred to it as a, a dysphoria or mm-hmm. a gender dysphoria. In recent years, there's a judge has made a, a, a ruling and he referred to the term of, of gender incongruence. Um, and I know that more people are starting to use that terminology. Um, in, in the north of Ireland, even here, in the north of Ireland, there's no surgeons. There are no um, doctors that carry out this operation. Really? So if you if you need to have this for your own mental health, um, you really need to go out, out of the country to do that. Um, I was very fortunate. It was actually my birthday um, when when I was in my. I think it was my early 50s, Mm. um, I got a phone call. I was actually standing in Visit Belfast, which is a tourism shop right Mm. beside City Hall. And it was a hospital saying, you know, we've just had a cancellation. You're on the waiting list. You've you've been through all your psychological assessments. you know, do you want to have this surgery? Um, and I just immediately turned around and said yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, 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 no. She says, yeah, think can, about it. can <laughs> you think about it over the weekend? And we'll call you back on Monday. And I said, no, I, I, I yes, need to think yes. <laughs> and she said, you'll be in in about four weeks time. Um, and for me, after spending five years trying to get through the process, that was one of the most momentous phone calls I ever got. Yeah. Because it, for me, that was the completion of my journey. Absolutely. Did you
0: not feel, if you don't mind me asking too, sorry for all the questions, but, um, you know, like the night before or that morning going into the, into the operating room, did you think, wow, I'm going to come out a different person without bits that I had before? Do you know? Did you ever think of that? Were you like, I'm glad to get rid of that? Do you know? Or yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. a bit. It's
2: a bit like having a ward removed when this um, really, yeah. doesn't belong, so it needs needs to needs God, to, to be gone. Isn't it? But, yeah. but my one of my best friends came with me. Um, I've got a really good circle of friends now yeah. nowadays. Oh, that's good. Um. And I remember saying to her going in, you're sitting on the bed about to go into the anaesthetist. And I just said, I'm going to ask a question. And I just said, is this the right thing for me to do? Should I go ahead and do this? And she was in shock and said, but you've been going yeah. all your life. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but I have to sit here and just contemplate. Is this the right thing for me? And I said, yeah, I've contemplated. It is. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but for me, I had, had to do that. Uh, and one of the reasons for doing that, I, I referred earlier to a thing called the Gender Recognition Certificate. Um, in the north of Ireland to put this into context there's 116 <coughs> of us over the last 10 years have received this gender recognition certificate
0: but there's lots uh, of other people who have had the operation but haven't got the certificate
2: exactly um, uh, and it's okay. quite a cumbersome process again we don't have the legislation in place in the north half of the island to be able to do this so I had to go through the courts in London um, you have to present all your psychological assessments you have to present evidence that you've been living in this gender for a defined period of time you even have to produce things like your utility bills In your proper um, name. Um, And all of that goes through. Um, When you think about things like your pension, um, Mm -hmm. I know of somebody who passed away and they put, I'm going to use the phrase, their dead name on the tombstone of the name that they used to have. So for me, that's not the person that I know that has been buried. So it's making sure that people like that, um, Her Majesty or His Majesty's revenue commissioners, also for things like your pension, for things like your tax, um, all of that is changed in my records. And that was one of the reasons why. I wanted to do this yeah. so that I had the surgery and then had all of my documentation um, changed I have a thing called the gender recognition certificate which is the equivalent of a birth certificate yeah. that yeah. I can produce when I apply for a passport so and things like recognized that recognised as
1: recognized a mis- and. Parent, and it, it must be amazing I mean I can, I can somewhat um, you know, equi- equivalent to some degree. Like I wake up now, I've had uh, skin removal surgery and after losing 12 stone. And so I look in the mirror and see a different person and a different body. And it's the most amazing because I feel that's who I should have always mm. been. And all my troubles and, and struggles in my life were due to weight issues. So it's the same for you. It must be amazing now to look in the mirror and see who you really are and your true self in the mirror.
2: Well, you lost some of the weight. I found it. <laughs> COVID, I have found some.
1: You got it in good places though. But <laughs> I lost it there. So yeah,
2: yeah, it's just good. But yeah, for, for, for me, um, that that expression, looking into the mirror. Yeah. I, I looked there, and I didn't see true the true son. me. Yeah. Now, when I look in, I do see the true yeah. and me, and I've been so lucky to be able to do that. Um, you
0: are, because so many people look in the mirror and and, and they don't like themselves. And do you know? So yeah. I mean, yeah, it's great to look at the mirror and say, actually, look, I like what's looking back at me. Yeah.
2: It is, and and for me, I want to be able to give other opportunities to people to be able to do that. And that's one of the reasons why I got involved with the Rainbow Project. Um, you know the suicide rate is phenomenal for trans people Um, and every week I hear of stories of people who just can't go on I know one mother who told me their child 15 times had attempted suicide (sighs) until they could get the proper counselling and the proper treatment, Mm -hmm. they just felt that they had no other choice in moving forward Um, and one of the things that I do with my institution, I was really lucky to work on their Equality, Diversity and Inclusion campaign and an International Women's Day in 2020 we relaunched our policy. It was called Shifting the Dial. Mm. And it was all about changing um, how we get more people from different backgrounds into things like engineering. When I graduated, um a way back many years ago, there were three girls and a hundred guys in the mm. class. Wow. Um traditionally my institution had ten percent females. Last year I think we had twenty five percent of the new it's applicants changing were a lot females. Mine, Isn't it? Yeah, it in is.
0: every area of
1: life. It's with people like you speaking out and people like us understanding more and our generation understanding that you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's no. just that you need to understand it. You know women I mean? and men
0: can do the same job. They're yeah. Yeah. all equal now. I mean I think like we all earn the same money more or less, don't we? It women is women and men, yeah. You know,
2: um you could you, you go back to the second world war it was the ladies that were making the munitions in all the factories and doing all the farming jobs so everybody's quite capable of doing it and and we talk a lot about female but as well as that we've got people from ethnic minorities we've got people from different religions we've got older people we've got the whole BAME Mm. um, sector and if we can start to be more diverse Mm. then we really can make a difference and and, and diversity is quite important because some of the research that I've done um, actually from a business point of view is the boards that are the most diverse are Mm. actually the ones that are in the top quartile of performance. They're actually performing better because they're coming up with more diverse solutions. Totally. My dad did lots
0: of work in diversity in Northern Ireland and he would have gone into companies like big organisations who not use the name and maybe say it was predominantly Protestant. And he would have spoke to try and get people to take, say, the poppy or the flag down whatever. And vice versa, if it was probably Catholic. So I, I do, I can relate to it all on it. Yeah. So, Karen, you said in your YouTube video that we watched that you made the transition. If you make a transition, be prepared to lose 95% of your friends and family. Has this changed now that you actually, people understand you and you have now changed into your new life?
2: Wow. I'm Come really on. impressed with the research that you've supposed done. <laughs> um, do you know, I... I that, that statement's true. Mm. I, I met a trans person in the city centre last week. Um, they told me their family's no longer speaking to them. Um, they're currently struggling with life. And, and real statistics show that suicide is a way out for many that are in that trans community that really feel they have nowhere to turn. Um, the loss of your support circle can leave you really vulnerable mm-hmm. at times when... Um, you know, Maybe your employer doesn't want you to work there anymore. And I found that there's a real unconscious bias mm-hmm. in people. So if two mm-hmm. people are coming for the same job, they've both got exactly the same qualifications and they've both got exactly the same experience. One of them's trans, one's not. Which one are they going to employ? Mm-hmm. And think in your head as to what you would do in that situation. And do you have an unconscious bias as to how you're going to do that? So it's really important that we make sure that people in the community have got the support that they want. But my own experience... I did find that 90% of the people that I knew haven't spoken to me since. Wow. The, the organisation that I worked for, there was 180 people in the office that I worked in. I think one of them, contacts me maybe once a year. The rest of them I don't see.
0: Isn't that awful?
1: Terrible, it really
0: they're is. Not, my dad used to always say to me, well, you know what, they're not your real friends. And were won't because they can't accept you for who you were." Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. happens.
1: And if you were to give any advice or tip for anyone who's at the breaking point now or just starting mm. the transition journey, what would you do? I,
2: I was really lucky that I got a good doctor. Yeah, uh, I was really lucky that I got into some of the counselling when I did in my mm. late 40s. For me, I bottled it all up. And I'm going to use the expression it's a bit like having a balloon in your head and every day you blow a little bit more air into it and that pressure just keeps building Mm. until one day that balloon's going to pop. I didn't speak to anybody and I would say find an organisation, find a charity. There are some wonderful counselling services yeah. associated with some of the charities, which are free. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to them, talk to them, open up about how you feel because at the end of the day, they've got experience. They really know how to deal with things yeah. and you know they may just save your life.
0: Absolutely. Great advice, great advice.
1: Karen, thank you so, so much. I mean, your story it's is so inspirational, so, so inspiring. I'm goosebumps is. the whole time through It's
0: brilliant. And do you know what? I'm actually, lo- I've loved it because I've learned it myself yeah. to understand. I mean, I know I watched that movie and it touched me, but listening to you in real life version is great. So thank you so much for coming down from Belfast. Yeah, you're all the way down.
2: <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to see both of you as us Nordies for taking over. I My door is <laughs> always open, so okay, I'd love to talk really to you about lots of other things cool. as well.
0: I hope you feel as inspired as I do and as educated as I do after listening to her. Also, we have another amazing guest which will be coming on in February. But before we talk about that, I am going to do a little epilogue myself. So after this episode, there's going to be another little episode before our guest interview, which is February. I am going to do a little epilogue which we will release hopefully near the end of January. So don't forget to follow us on Spotify for all the updates.